don't suspect you care a whole lot about the like <laughs> allocation of dollars at various positions or whatever, but I would like to ask you, do you care that much about injury risk as a thing in fantasy football? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to, to an extent, I, mean, I get where Cavs coming from with the don't spend a third of your budget. Uh, I don't know. I'm getting so confused with this argument. I feel like, I don't know. <laughs> well, so kind of in, over it. Independent of uh, the argument at hand. I understand that, you know, we've, we've done a few laps around the track at this point, but uh, you have always struck me as the most willing to take on people with recent injuries or who are like currently injured, which in my mind has always been something to avoid just because it seems like uh, re-injury is a lot more common once it's already been aggravated. I guess a second injury is more common amongst those who have already been injured than an initial injury is amongst those who have been healthy to this point. And for me, that's something that I prioritize trying to avoid just uh, given how important certain people can be uh, to a given fantasy football roster. But it seems to me like you were probably the most willing to take that sort of thing on. And maybe that's a byproduct of just being the most willing to take on any given player. But uh, I have always wondered how nervous you were about that sort of thing. It sounds like still at least considering it uh, across the board. Yeah. Well, I worry about it, but the thing was, I mean, if you haven't noticed, I don't keep guys very long. So yeah, true. Like Dalvin and Julio, I kind of, I don't know. Sometimes you can trade for a guy that's sort of injured. You get him a little cheaper, and when they when they have a stud name and they have a big week, their value goes right back up. So it's kind of you just like pump them and dump them. Yeah, and I mean, so. I played I played the Julio thing about as poorly as I possibly could have, where I traded for him right on time for him to score like ten total points over the course of three weeks for me, and then traded him back, and he immediately blew up uh and that is definitely a more viable plan when you're taking the andy farrier approach to fantasy football of constantly rotating essentially players through your roster uh but i've just been curious about where you stood on that sort of thing since uh you were less inclined it seemed to uh chime in on the theory of it all but uh we we certainly don't need to dwell too much on that this week. Uh, guys, you are coming off of a matchup against each other where you both had pretty solid weeks among the rest of this league where actually six of the ten of us had, by a pretty wide margin in most cases, our worst weeks of the entire season. Uh, let's get into things, I think, with the two of you in particular, and Andy, I will begin with you since uh, we've heard from Cav relatively recently uh, about his own team, and I think have a pretty good idea how he feels about them at this hour. As things are currently constructed for you, which is again uh, a potentially fleeting kind of measurement, but at this point, Andy, how are you feeling about the boys? Uh, I like them. I mean, I got off to a hot start, so that makes things a lot easier in this world, and I don't know. I, I'm happy. I mean, there's it's it's hard to fill a full roster and not have like holes just because we start so many people. Um, so I keep trying to like fill out the flex, and there's only so many 
so many good players out there. But yeah, I got some. I got some boys on the team, man. Oof. Yeah, it, it's pretty scary that you're putting up such high scores without ever really being close to full strength these last uh, couple of weeks. It's kind of terrifying to think about how things could play out once that situation starts changing a bit. But as you mentioned, you know, there's a very high turnover rate here on your team. Uh, I actually looked up what I thought was a pretty fun statistic earlier today. Do you know who the only player that you drafted that remains on your roster is? Well, I, yeah, I was thinking about that. I thought it was David Johnson, but I traded him. I, I don't, do I have anyone? You have uh, one person left, and also the Pittsburgh defense is a team that you drafted and may have added and dropped at some point. I'm not sure about that. Uh, but Le'Veon Bell, I believe, is the one person who has oh, gone yeah. the distance <laughs> on your team so far. You got to keep the studs, man. Yeah, that's right. I, well, how do you feel about him now going to Kansas City? I, I don't. I mean, I think he'll be okay. Um, I'm not banking on him like a big time running back. I think I'm just more excited that I think he's going to mess with um, CEH, which is fantastic. So, <laughs> yeah, Isaac, I'm why, sure. Why is it fantastic, Andy? <laughs> because he's in first place. He's one of my competitors. Yeah, no, I, I just was clarifying that it was that for Isaac purposes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kev, I think at this point I would say you two stand out as the teams pretty solidly above the pack uh, in my eyes. I know you've been pretty high on your own squad coming into this uh, affair and that one result of one week of fantasy football against Farrier may not necessarily sway your opinion here. Do you feel like you have a better team than Farrier right now? Uh, yeah, I, I do. I, I agree with you that, that Andy and I are the, are the two top teams and I definitely don't feel like my team is like substantially better than his. I mean, he just beat me. Um, but I, I do think that overall, I have the stronger team. I mean, I, you know, I still don't feel great about my running backs. I will say that. And, like, his running backs now are really good if we're talking, like, you know, the playoffs. And, um, But, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I still feel like he does not have quite as much depth. His QBs aren't very good. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that he is definitely the team that I'm most concerned about right now. Andy, you made a big trade with Luke this week. You, uh, timed it pretty well on Julio and Kenyon Drake, both having blow up games and got yourself into the Aaron Jones mix, uh, a, a party I have certainly attended a couple of times in the past, uh, how important was it for you to try to lock in a stud running back, or was that just something that actually just randomly happened, more or less? Uh, it wasn't really just to get a stud. I kind of just I was trying to look at Luke's team because he's two and ten. I thought he'd, you know, overreact and want to get rid of him. I mean, I don't I don't think I got him cheap. I gave him a lot. Um, I was just trying to find his best player, and his team just stinks. So there weren't really many players. <laughs> Uh, and another thing I wanted to ask you about is what you 
expect at this point out of Mike Thomas, who in the breaking news department seems to not necessarily be a lock to return anytime soon? I mean, he's coming back this week. Let's, uh, Oh, this week. Yeah. Let's, let's just stop there. Um, I think, I think Thomas might be a, um, a Julio type guy for me. You know, maybe he gets a, you know, primetime game has a big game and then, you know, I take someone's whole team. So I don't know if I'll keep them, but I guess we'll see what happens. And Matt, were you trying to get Aaron Jones yourself? It seemed like you had a, a noticeable reaction to that deal going through. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it, it wasn't that he said he wasn't going to trade him at all. It's just when, when Aaron Jones was on bye, I tried to uh, pick him up from Luke. And I think I gave him a pretty good offer. I don't remember exactly what it was, but he just said, you know, I'll be I'll be keeping him, which I I guess was just a rejection of that offer. But um, I figured it meant that he was kind of his ride or die. Uh, and I thought he said something on the podcast to that effect. Um, but, you know, I wasn't surprised to see that trade go down, really. And he's got a and he's got a special uh, special way with way with old Lucas. And so <laughs> I'm not surprised to uh, to see the moves being made. I, I am curious to see what Ken Drake does. He's kind of an interesting interesting player this year i think he definitely uh could go pretty hard in either direction i feel like uh at this point he's one of the guys i have the least confidence in when i make definitive statements either way uh on these podcasts but another question actually just along similar lines andy that i wanted to ask you was your trade volume is obviously unparalleled uh (laughs) among other people in the league, how much of that do you think comes down to salesmanship versus just sheer putting up shots? I don't know if it's, I think I just, I almost like the action. It's like sort of just gambling. I think I just like to sort of get in the mud. It's it's a pure coincidence that you are uh, in sales. I mean, sales is sales is sales. Everything is sales. You just got to, (laughs) <laughs> you got to find common ground between two people and, you know, I'm not trying to rip anyone off. I just, I want to adjust the team and improve in different ways. Matt, how much do you feel like salesmanship is uh, of the essence in our league? I mean, I think for Andy in particular, it's definitely a factor. Not, not in that he's trying to like swindle people, but he, he goes out of his way to keep, the customer's happy presentation is a better word well and and um he he is genuinely looking to like make deals i mean that we've talked before about like when people want to make a trade andy's the first place they go to so i i don't know if that's salesmanship but that's that's definitely something that works in his favor um but yeah and you know it's interesting because like he took a lot of uh, a lot of shit last year for like being on the wrong end of some trades and it was uh, I mean, I myself, I was like, oh, you know, he's he's done. But I think that does help uh, him to get action because he is he is willing to take trades, I think, that aren't necessarily as as uh, clear as some other people in the league. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Salesmanship. I mean, he he's a charmer. So I don't know that that helps him probably with sales as well as with his trades. 
yeah, I mean, his image is certainly enormous where people know that he is willing to just take shots without, uh, I'm not saying without thinking about it, but certainly willing to gamble, which others are far less inclined to do. And I don't think I'm alone in feeling like, uh, without naming names, there are some people I'll get offers from and my impulse will be, well, the the mere fact that they're offering is giving me some serious hesitation about uh, wanting to do this. Whereas with Andy, it does feel like a, a gift on Christmas morning. Any one of them could be the one that potentially wins you the league here. But it certainly goes the other way, obviously. Uh, and Andy, over the course of this season and the uh, 14 trades that he has done through the first six weeks here has it seems to me reaped a lot of benefit from being that kind of uh, aggressive with the market. And my last question uh, for you, Andy, uh, in in just more kind of general terms uh, is does this year feel different to you than the last couple of years where you were playing a pretty similar style, but things just weren't breaking as well? Or does this feel more or less the same? And it's just the other side of the luck factor. No, I I think the last two years, I mean, I made so many bad trades and it turned into like if they said no to a trade, I, I just was like, I'm getting this guy no matter what, no matter <laughs> how much I have to add to the trade. It was just it was so reckless. And by the end of it, I like had no one to even offer it. Like I, I was losing on pretty much every trade. <laughs> OK, uh, did you have uh was that a concerted effort, I guess, on your part? Have you come into this season saying, I got to stop doing that? Or is it just <laughs> happening to not be happening as often? Well, I started off with a good record, so I want to take it serious and not to get weird, but being sober, it's, it's, uh, you make probably smarter decisions with trades. So that's kind of, I think that's helped me. Okay. Not to, not I, to go down that path, but I could, I could see that being a, a relevant factor. Uh, Cav, you yourself have been almost making a scene uh, in the trade department this week. There was quite a reaction to you trading DJ Moore essentially for an injured Austin Eckler. Uh, what was your response to the response there? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I feel like most people felt like the trade was fine. Uh, I know that Adam spoke up and said he didn't like the trade and he and I had like been in trade talks and I won't go into the details of that, but I just, I just really disagree with his overall stance on the trade where it's like the idea that if you have a a player who's going to be better when they come back, so you shouldn't trade him for, you know, a guy who helps you now. Like, I just don't agree with that. And he, he's, you know, Ben adamant about it. And it was funny to see him react to that trade though, because it was like that trade was, you know, wink. I think that was the start of our negotiations. Like wink offered me that trade and I really didn't want to give up Devante because like, you know, he hasn't really been playing. I've been looking forward to watching him. Um, and I was tr- trying to do it for like Tyreek for, you know, a package with Ridley and stuff. And wink was like, no, it has to be Devante. So we, we ended up just basically going with the, his opening offer uh, and I guess I had offered him previously more for Eckler and he, he denied it, but yeah, I mean, I just thought it was a perfectly fine trade for both sides. I, I definitely like it for Wink's side. 
as well. Um, and I just don't agree with with Adam's uh, take on it. And like the idea that you know a team in Wink's position or in Adam's position who's like fighting to make the playoffs, like I just don't think it should be a priority for that team to keep like you know one of the best teams from getting better. Like that's just low on your list of priorities. And and he listed that as if it was like a top priority. Do you feel like Adam? Sitting on Nick Chubb may be uh, a factor there. I do. I, I very much do. Uh, and, you know, I, I had been trying to get Chubb from him, and, like, we're, I guess we're in ongoing talks, but I suspect they're, that we're not going to uh, – based on how the talks have gone, I, I, don't, <laughs> think, I don't think we're going to be able to, to get to a, uh, to a common ground. Um, but I'm curious, Andy, yeah, what, what's your, what are your thoughts on that whole uh, conversation? I thought that was a – a very standard trade and it worked perfect for both people. I don't really, I'm not really, I don't get Adam's stance at all. I think it makes absolutely no sense. Um, I would have done it if I was Wink and I would have done it if I were Yo. So I, I thought it was a pretty, I mean, Hopkins for Adams is pretty straightforward. Hopkins a little better, but Adams had his buy. I mean, it was, it was the most like 50, 50 trade I've ever seen. I thought. Well, but like the fact that Eckler, you know, is, is much better when he comes back than, and you know, I I do think like DJ Moore is just, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I, I already said it in the chat, but yeah. Um, DJ Moore is better than our league gives him credit for. I agree with that. Like he, he, and I think I, I genuinely meant it when I said, I think like he's going to be better than he has so far this year. Like I've watched him play quite a bit and, uh, he like, you know, the targets are there. He's really athletic. He's a good player. I just, uh, I don't know. I, I, I he's not a waiver guy, I guess. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. So. Well, uh, Andy, Cav is on the record now saying he thinks he has a better team than you. Do you agree with that? I I I don't know. Um, Andrew. I no no no. I'm I'm sorry no. Um, I wish my quarterbacks were a little better, obviously, but, um, I mean, you, your, um, your bad players have been good, which isn't going to – like, Ronald Jones and Claypool, I mean, they're going to get back to normal. David Montgomery is going to still suck. I mean, you – yeah. That's so, a – go ahead, sir. So, so, I mean, Claypool is, is like a rookie. You know, he's, he's going to be a good player, I think, but he could easily come back to earth. But it's not like he has a history of not being good. Like, this is first season. Uh, and Ronald Jones, like, I don't – it's funny because I assumed he wasn't that great. And, like, when I picked him up, it was basically because I thought that Tampa Bay was going to be good with Brady and stuff and, like, a guy worth taking a shot on. I thought he was, like, 28 and had been in the league for a while and, like, not good based on the way we kind of talk about him. But he's like 23. Like, yeah. why, why are we so sure that he's not good? He's looked great these last three games, especially. Because I talked him up a couple years ago, probably. Yeah, like, I guess, what is the evidence that he's not good? That he wasn't good last year, specifically? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just he has had opportunities in the past. Granted, in, yes, the same uniform, but entire under entirely different circumstances. I've personally... Uh, been a believer in what little I've gotten to see of him over red zone as someone who has briefly dabbled in Ronald Jones ownership over the last couple of years. To me, this year, 
well, I totally agreed preseason that, yeah, you know, if things break extremely well here for Ronald Jones, he could be someone who's like a league winner if this Tampa Bay offense ends up being otherworldly and he ends up locking in the feature back role there. But it, to me, it has just come down to the lack of upside any given week that either Ronald Jones or David Montgomery is going to be able to bail you out of uh, a slower week from your other people versus need bailing out. Uh, I feel like that ratio after the first week or two was pretty clearly not in his favor. Yeah. I mean, he, he definitely looked weak at the start, but he just hasn't, you know, recently. And, and I guess I'm just not sure that like we can confidently say that not being good is his kind of, you know, is his like, average performance or whatever like I just yeah don't think it's it's certainly still early i mean to use a super extreme example we've seen someone like justin Forsett bounce around the league for close to a decade and then find himself in the right situation and become very fantasy relevant at like age 29 um yeah so andy i'm curious did you think that my team was better i guess you're talking like season long and stuff so that's fair but because, you know, we did bet on this week, and it was not a straight-up bet, as you may recall. Yeah, and I also had Tyler Lockett, Michael Thomas, and Christian McCaffrey sitting right, on my Right, right, right. So yeah, that, that's fair. We, we should add that part. Hang on, but you I bet mean, in advance on this week before knowing that you wouldn't have them playing? Well, I gave him odds. He, he didn't want to bet straight up. It was 20 to win 15. When, when, when was this bet made? Before we... Before the week began. Oh, okay. So for it was last this week's matchup. Yeah, yeah. For for when we were playing each other. Oh, okay. I'm, I I misunderstood. I thought you guys, for some insane reason, had like <laughs> mapped out two months ago that we will bet on week seven uh, when no. the time comes. And Andy had thought that he would have certain guys that he doesn't have, but that's my bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, just on that note, it's I'll just. Quick little funny anecdote is like, so, you know, I was leading most of the time and going into Monday night football was like my least favorite type of sweat, which is where you're up like, you know, 25 and you have to just hope that the guys don't do anything. And I didn't watch the game in the first quarter, but I saw that uh, like they didn't really do much. And then I was I was kind of watching on my phone and Christian Kirk got a touchdown. Kenny Drake got a touchdown. So it was like, OK, this is not looking great. And I switched to like watch it on my phone on youtube tv and as i turned it on i saw it was like a big play and there was just a guy like who had caught it he was clearly running towards the end zone and i couldn't (laughs) i couldn't tell who it was but i then i could just see on the back of his jersey like the little kirk letters Mm -hmm. and i was just like all right well that's uh that's that and so it did did save me though from the sweat of just like you know staying up till the end of the game just praying that nothing that Kenyon Drake doesn't touch the ball. There is there is almost a sweet release of like this week I was up against Pierre and my head to head matchup was over at like literally 140. There was just no way uh, I was going to come back from that uh, with the Titans all going insane, and it was almost liberating not having to worry about a two game swing on Monday night. Uh, and then Monday night rolled around and I was really nervous about Gabe in the early game and just said, okay, well, as long as Travis Kelsey 
doesn't go nuts right away. I'll at least be able to sweat this out for a while and the late game will matter. And just immediately two Travis Kelsey touchdowns. And as someone who has spent uh, a great deal of my recent Monday nights chain vaping and terrified that everything was about to fall apart, uh, this has been, despite what certainly being my worst week, a, rela- a much more relaxing week. Uh, and there is a, a certain bliss to that uh but anyway guys uh what else if anything on either of your two teams at this point well if you uh, i mean looking at cap's team now that i think about it, the eckler trade could actually be really big for him because that is a gaping hole for him um that's going to help him be able to sit montgomery but i think ronald jones is i don't know i i almost think he's like aaron jones back in the day where i just Colin talked about so much, I just hated him no matter what. And I think that might be the way with Ronald Jones now. (laughs) You're welcome, Cav. Yeah. yeah. So I want to go over to Lloyd actually next because one thing that uh, has come up that I thought was pretty funny was the trade offers that Lloyd has probably been receiving for Nick Chubb. And I am also guessing – that this week uh, he is at least open to the idea of moving Lamar Jackson, who is on by just given where Lloyd is in the standings. But if my experience with Russell Wilson last week is any indication, I have a strong suspicion Lloyd is getting some bunk offers for Lamar Jackson right now that are nowhere near what he is hoping for. Uh, and And I do understand why that might be frustrating but uh you know certainly not an entirely hopeless situation here he is uh currently one game back of fifth place in the standings matt uh how are you feeling about lloyd's long-term prospects at this point uh is this a situation that you feel like he can turn around if he can get a good deal here for a couple of his guys um yeah, I mean, I, I think, yes, like if he can get a deal for his guys, then he he has some guys on there that can make noise. Um, I mean, I, I guess I don't know what's going to happen with Matt Ryan. Like there's rumblings he might get traded, uh, but he puts up numbers usually. And, you know, he has Lamar. Um I don't know, man. I'm, t- I'm trying to be positive, but I'm looking at the team and it, it's just it. You know, I see right now he's got Melvin Gordon in as his second QB and he's got Leonard Fournette out there as well. Um, and it does come back to like. I think if he's going to make a push, like he needs to make some moves, and I don't think that those moves are going to be like what he necessarily would want in an ideal world so i guess i don't i don't see them getting made uh and i think i think that's that's gonna be rough i i I don't know i think it's an uphill climb for him yeah uh i noticed the second qb thing as well and i was more nervous about it until i saw that he was matched up against luke and i don't really care if luke gets a a head-to-head win against lloyd so whatever makes top five easier for me is just fine but yeah i 
am guessing that the last thing he wants to do right now is sell Lamar and Adam Thielen, for instance, uh, or Nick Chubb, who is injured and not just on by for what he views as a ripoff. But I don't know what kind of better opportunities are necessarily going to be presenting themselves later on. Uh, so if I were Lloyd, this would be a spot where I would be very strongly considering the, the public bidding war tactic to make it clear what kind of offers you're up against. I feel like you could get some more enticing bids that way. But uh, Andy, I guess without needing uh, specifics here, have you been in the mix trying to get Lamar? Because quarterback has certainly been an issue for you to this point. Um, I mean, I threw a couple offers out there. Um, I feel like you I, got a shot. If you can put something passable together, I feel like you got a shot. Well, the, the quarterback is so tough. I, 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 it's, I struggle with valuing value, like the difference between a Gardner Minshew and a Lamar. I mean, there's, there's a, an obvious gap, but what else do I have to throw in? And I struggle with that. Um, I'll be honest. I think he's going to have the same exact team next week. I don't think he's going to move any of them. Okay. Uh, Cav, you are someone who has not had to worry much about the quarterback position for the last couple of years, but what do you think about just the idea of trading for a quarterback like Lamar? Uh, As someone who is probably not going to do that as the Mahomes and Deshaun Watson owner, I guess giving you an opportunity to potentially influence the market or uh, give a kind of tactical answer here, but I would hope for an honest take on what kind of player do you feel like since you will not be involved in doing this, I would imagine is worth a Lamar Jackson on by. Yeah. I I mean, I, I hear what Andy's saying where it is hard to say, I'm kind of looking at this in another league where I lost Dak and so I'm trying to like figure out how to get a QB and, and it's, it's hard to value. I mean, I, you know, I, I talked with Lloyd a little bit earlier this year about trying to trade Watson for Jackson. Um, and I mean, honestly, in this case, I, I don't know that it's anything other than academic because I think it's going to take heaven and earth for him to trade Lamar. I don't think he really wants to, and I don't think he will, but I guess in theory it would be like, you know, a reason like Gardner Minshew plus like a startable wide receiver. I mean, I don't know. He would probably wouldn't do that. Like as far as I can tell, based on the offers I'm getting from Lloyd, if I wanted to get Lamar Jackson, I would have to trade him Patrick Mahomes and DeAndre Hopkins. Um, <laughs> okay. So it's not happening. It's not so happening. It's like, I don't, I don't see it. happening. <laughs> yeah. All All right. Awkward. Uh, that, that was some weird yeah. timing there, but yeah, yeah I, I didn't know if I lost you guys. I no, no, sorry. That, that was uh, poorly, poorly hosted on my part there. Yeah, it does seem like uh, probably going to be sticking with the Lamar plan. And if it works out, it works out. Uh, and there are definitely many worse quarterbacks on whom to be all in than Lamar Jackson. Uh, we certainly saw last year, uh, I'm guessing, Lamar was among, if not the literal number one, most rostered player on fantasy championship winning rosters uh, across various sites last year. So uh, we will see how that ultimately ends up going for Lloyd there. 
Uh, Andy, any further thoughts at this point on Lloyd's team, or is it just go all he's all in on Lamar Jackson, and we'll see how it goes? I mean, I, I think that's what's going to end up happening. I don't think it's the best strategy by any means. I mean, the, the Fournette and Melvin Gordon, I mean, and Ruggs and, I mean, geez, Swift, holy, yeah, <laughs> woof. Why not drop Dallas Goddard? He just spent eight fab on yeah. Dallas Goddard. Okay, I, I thought he'd had him on his roster, but, I mean, even still, I don't know, yeah. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not trying to hate on the guy too much. I just. Am, we're, I'm looking at his roster here, and I'm trying to make sense of it. Um, and that that just came to mind for me because he's also on IR. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Wouldn't you Wouldn't you drop Dallas Goddard and grab a a waiver guy to replace Fournette? Or start a QB? Yeah, that's a valid <laughs> point. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I I keep waiting for that to happen, and maybe by the time this is released, that will have happened, but uh, this might be putting in a bid for the longest we've seen anyone go without putting in a second quarterback. Have we ever had somebody not no. start? Okay, yeah. The day will come. The day will come. It might be Sunday. Could be, yeah, could be soon. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he's playing Luke, I'm sure, is an influence over it, but again, like, I'm not sure that that it should be really like, I don't, I don't know that he's in a position to be like, Oh yeah, I'll take, I'll take a week. Yeah. I don't know. I yeah. wish him well. I wish I, him on him. I'm not, I'm not trying to get my ass beat next time I see him. So nothing but love for you, buddy. <laughs> I, I do wonder if the way last year played out where he was not super aggressive about filling in, I think what others would perceive as like holes, and then did have that miracle run to take the last playoff spot from me. Uh, I do wonder if that has kind of made him more okay with hoping uh, things just work out on their own. But this is not necessarily the most shocking kind of approach in general from Lloyd. Uh, And again, it it could certainly work out just fine. Uh, I have been one of Lloyd's victims in the past uh, in in saying things like this and and not, I guess, kind of underestimating the potential upside to uh, how things can go here. But uh, we will see how all of that ends up working out. Uh, We saw Lloyd this week actually have uh, a pretty huge week, so maybe the wrong time to be laying so hard into Lloyd here. Perhaps not, however, the wrong time to be laying into Christian Winkelhofer, who uh, has certainly shown that his team is liable to have some blow-up weeks if everything can connect, and there are plenty of uh, solid foundational pieces here. But I am guessing Wink is, on the whole, not thrilled with how things are going uh, overall, especially having to sweat out a double-digit point-scoring week. Uh, <laughs> this time, he, he narrowly got through there. 101, I think, uh, and change is his final score here. Uh, Andy, you've certainly been uh, in trade talks fairly regularly with Wink. Do you still like what you see on Wink's team, or are you done picking that carcass? Uh, let me go to week seven now. Sorry, I was looking at his. Yeah, he had a tough week. Uh, he, his team is good. I, I yeah, yeah, he got some ball. Like Chris Godwin, I mean, he he can ball once he's healthy. And I mean, I, the Mike Davis thing is probably gonna run its course soon. I would almost try to shop him before he's worth nothing. But I mean, 
T. Higgins, I think, will be all right. Allen Robinson's good. Adams, I mean, he's got some boys. Yeah. I don't hate the team. He, he definitely has some boys. Uh, I don't have the specifics right in front of me. I do feel like Wink has been taking some heat for uh, some of the trades that he has been executing lately. I guess the Mike Thomas and Tyler Lockett one was the one that he got kind of pummeled for. But, hey, if Mike Thomas turns out to be someone who is missing more time than anticipated, that could ultimately be a big win there for Wink. Can't spell Wink without win, by the way, which I'm surprised no one's really noticed or pointed out uh, to this point, maybe because it's super lame. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) What do you think about uh, the state of Christian and his squad here, who I feel like at least is in his third consecutive kind of statement year? Yeah, I mean, I might put this team in a teams I can't get a read on category um, right now. I I think last week was a little bit of an anomaly. I mean, Aaron Rodgers did had a terrible game, which I don't think that happens a ton. I do agree with Andy that, like, Mike Davis is the sun is going to set on him soon, um, and that could be a problem for Wink. Although, Chris Carson, I'm a big fan of his. Um I, yeah, I, I mean, he definitely has some guys. I, I think he's a few pieces away. I, I really didn't like the Mike Thomas trade. Um, and it, it, it was hard to see how it, it helped him. Um, but, I mean, he's he's definitely got some guys that can go off. Uh, and, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, like, what is he? what place is he in right now? He's in... There's a big cluster. Uh, he's in ninth right now, but he is one game and uh, 50-some points behind fifth place. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he could certainly make the playoffs. I just, like, I look at the team, and, and I, I'm i not – I don't really see it as a team that, that is too concerning um, as a competitor. Uh, yeah, I can't, get, I can't get a full read on it. Yeah, well, I brought up the – statement third consecutive statement year thing just because we've seen wink be really active and while the last couple of years like on paper haven't gone amazingly for he may have uh he got a third place somewhere in there but at least in terms of uh advanced statistics he has really started to make a lot of progress these last couple of years at least compared to the early days and i feel like with him being this involved in so many trades, if it does end up working out and he gets the last laugh and his team turns it on, I feel like that could be a, a big statement in kind of establishing Wink as uh, a GM to be taken seriously in this league. Whereas if it is viewed, rightly or wrongly, but just like if the consensus view becomes that this didn't work out for Wink and he traded his whole team away again for peanuts, uh, that could have a devastating effect on his long-term image here uh, and set him back many years uh, and undo a lot of the work that I feel like he has done these last couple of times around. But uh, yeah, I, I too am still feeling like Wink has a very reasonable uh, kind of core of players here. I, I do 
wonder if this is a team that is going to be reliably able to make it through like a few rounds of rumbling come postseason time, but we will see. I mean, he, he may be the second most likely person after Ferrier to have a squad that looks like unrecognizable by the time week 13 ends up rolling around there. Uh, so Cav, I mentioned, uh, you know, you had to suffer a, a bit of a micro heartbreak this week, putting up 187 points, but taking a loss because you happen to be matched up against Andy. On the other side of that, you know, when six people all simultaneously have their worst week of the season, at least one of them by default is going to pick up a, a win or two. And in this case, Gabe Blodgett finally going to catch a break here. He is going to go 2-0 and with a gentleman's 148 points here. Uh, I pulled up Gabe's lineup earlier today and was only looking at who he had going this week and said to myself, well, I hope he has a big running back that's like on by that I'm just forgetting about because otherwise this might start looking a little uh, more bleak for Gabe than these last couple of weeks may indicate. Uh, he does not have any such running back on by, but regardless, it, it does seem like at least recently things are starting to turn around here. Cav, how are you feeling about the state of affairs for Mr. B here? Mr. B. Um, I was glad to see him get the win this week, especially after that loss uh, against Isaac. That was that was definitely rough. And I I did think the story of of them golfing and Isaac saying <laughs> that he, that he really needed those wins. I laughed at that just for like 20 minutes, I think. Hilarious. Um as far as this team, I don't love Gabe's team. Um, yeah, I don't think it's very good. I think that um, Kyler, obviously excited to have him. Kelsey, you know, James Robinson is seems like he could be pretty good. Antonio Brown, I don't know what's going on with him injury-wise, but obviously he's good. Other than that, it's just a bunch of guys that are just sort of I'm not I'm not pumped to see him in a lineup. It's like that maybe they'll do okay. Um, Odell, you know, obviously high ceiling, but he's just very inconsistent. Um, yeah, I don't like Gabe's team very much. I think that he could be one of the teams that is on the outside looking in when the dust settles. But uh, I'd be curious to hear what my friend Andy Ferrier has to say about uh, Gabe's team. Thank you, Matt. Um, yeah, I feel bad. I'm a big Gabe fan, but, uh, and he will not trade me Kyler. I have tried every single week and he will not give him up. It's bugging me, but yeah, he's in a tough spot and I think he knows it, but, um, who knows? I mean, I, I really like AJ Brown. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Having Kelsey is always nice having the big tight end, but yeah, I mean, it's not like he's not trying. He's, but yeah, when you lose McCaffrey, I mean, that just, that just really fucked him, I think. I felt like he, I mean, obviously it's not good uh, or non-negligible even to lose McCaffrey. Obviously that is a disaster and it sucks, but I did think he did a solid job recovering from that disastrous situation pretty quickly. And I agree that of the teams kind of in this tier, he wouldn't be probably in my first couple of picks to turn things uh, around and really make a run at a championship right now. But that being said, just 
history would indicate to me that this is a position that Gabe is very uh, used to and comfortable with and has certainly thrived in before. He was on the podcast uh, last week or the week before talking about how, you know, he's a scrambler. And uh, I, I feel like this could at least potentially once again be just the beginning for Gabe, who it, I feel like uh, and I have no uh, front of mind statistics to back this up. I feel like there have been a few years where he gets off to kind of a rockier start and then makes a midseason push and then has his guys blow up uh, at the end and ends up coming away with it uh, looking a lot better than one necessarily would have thought at this time in the year. And so I'm always going to be nervous about that sort of thing being in play with Gabe. Uh, But yeah, so I feel like out of this whole middle of the pack kind of tier as things stand right now, uh, these five, these four and five win teams of Wink, Lloyd, Gabe, Vanna, Pieri, reading that from uh, the bottom up, just to confuse people, I suppose. I think he might be the middle of the middle of the pack for me. I think he'd be my number three team in that mix. I have Gabe and Wink as seventh and eighth, and like I'm not sure which one is which, but that's where I have them in my power rankings. Okay. Uh, yeah, I guess we we will get to uh, Vanna and Pieri uh, a little later on, and I can think a bit more in depth about that. But I feel like he is right, just solidly in the mix with a, a slightly worse roster than some of the others, but quite frankly, uh, a better idea of what he's doing in this position than well, some he of has the, the others most... as well. The most proximity to Gabe of anyone. That's true. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Constant proximity (laughs) to Gabe. Uh, What could go wrong there? So, Andy, have you traded with Gabe recently? I don't think so. I I tried to get Odell from him after that big game after Dallas. Or no, right before the Dallas game, and he wouldn't do it. Um, No, I think we only had that big trade, the the McCaffrey trade. But he's probably going to get out of this. He knows what he's doing. The thing is, sometimes you just miss on guys. Like, Odell is hit or miss, and like Devin Singletary. I mean, I think everyone thought he was going to be pretty good. He kind of stinks. So, can't hit them all. Uh, Yeah, I think Gabe uh, may be looking for a way to move Singletary out of his permanent lineup pretty quickly. Uh, But, yeah, I, I... I'm certainly not going to be saying too many things conclusively negative about the state of Gabe's team at this point in time. Uh, On the other hand, his opponent this week, Lucas Brower, looking quite grim uh, here with the 2-10 record that no one ever wants to see. But furthermore, now without Aaron Jones, who is, of course, the patron saint of this very podcast, Matthew, is Luke done? I'm actually going to let Andy start this one off. Okay. Andy, is Luke done? <sighs> I don't, yeah, probably. Um, I, I, this is this kind of reminds me of me last year where you have a terrible record, but you also don't really have pieces to move. Um, yeah, I, I, he's a good man, but yikes, just looking at I mean, yeah. <laughs> Why does he have Jared Cook again? I don't get it. I swear, I, I, it's got to be a bit at this point, right? Yeah. Jeez. 
<laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Matthew, uh, do you have any words of wisdom for Lucas at this hour? Um, I, I, I don't, I would say watch a little NFL. If you get a chance, <laughs> it, w- <laughs> it will, <laughs> it will help. It will help. Um, I, I don't think he has a good team. I think he has the worst team in the league. Uh, I don't know what to say. I mean, he has some solid running backs. I'll give him that. But um, other than that, yeah, I don't know if this guy's following the NFL in 2020 is, is really the best I can come up with looking at the roster. It looks um, like he's following the NFL in 2016. Yeah, man, which is kind of my theory of him. I, I, I appreciate his commitment to the um, – to the starting only, you know, a couple guys until they play bit. He's been doing that for a while. It's, it's an, an interesting one. I don't appreciate his commitment to, uh, regardless of the situation, coming up with ways to put me at the bottom of things. I don't appreciate that at all, which I've, which I've been clear about. Um, I actually will, I, as a public statement, I will say, I was trying to think about what to say about it and, don't want to dwell on it, but I do think it's bad sportsmanship. I think that, uh, you know, when I have a bad team, you can make fun of me for having a bad team. But if it's also when I have a good team, you're just going to make up something else to say why, you know, I actually belong at the bottom of some rankings. I think that's pretty cut and dry bad sportsmanship. And uh, that's that's the extent of my thoughts on that. But as far as the season, I think it's an uphill battle for Luke. Uh, I'd like to see him get in the mix a little bit more. But I I don't see it happening. It's not a not a great squad this year. Yeah, uh, I suspect he will be staying in the mix uh, in the thread discussion. We'll see uh, if he is able to turn it around on the fantasy gridiron here. But yeah, uh, and furthermore, I guess we will see if he does any turning things around uh, on the intellectual honesty in fantasy football discussions and rankings front as well uh but who knows uh so i guess let's move from luke over to little brother isaac here who i'm sure we were all very happy about getting a victory over vanna with 143 points all thanks to his boy carson wentz never deviated always believed uh isaac andy is now sitting at 10 and 2 above even the two of you guys I want to ask you, Farrier, what do you think? What do you think Isaac's record should be? What record does this team deserve right now? Oh, I mean, you deserve what your record is, but uh, he, he should. How, how many games we had? Twelve. Yeah. Uh, seven and five, maybe. I bet. I, uh, I bet there is an unha- unhappy camper listening to this podcast right now. Uh, <laughs> Just shaking his head. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, do you have a, a, a strong take on that? I mean, eight and four, seven and five. That, that seems right, somewhere in there. Seven okay. and five, we'll go with. So, but Andy, that's not a that's not a bad record either. I mean, he's got a good team, but he's not ten and two or whatever the hell he is. Andy, what's your relationship like with Isaac as far as trading goes at this point? Um, it's good actually. Well, he's not, he's not the kind of guy you want to do a big deal with because it'll just, he has to think for a while. But like the the other day we did David Johnson for Chark. I mean, that was, 
he has two running backs. I don't have enough wide receivers. It was it was a kind of it's not really going to screw you over one way or the other. Mm-hmm. So I think he likes those because he gets so worried that he's going to get ripped off. And he needs Did you to try to that. extort him for any additional fab dollars at the last second? I did ask for five at after, but I was joking. So, <laughs> <laughs> so when you look at this squad, do you feel like he is above that other pack of teams that are all in that uh, kind of cluster together, Andy? I uh, I think so. I mean, but just just like looking at his wide receivers, like Slayton, Johnson, and Lamb, they're good. But I mean, I feel like you're going to have a few weeks for going down the stretch here where none of them hit double digits, and that's I mean that's risky. So I feel, he yeah, does I have feel Evans. Like... He has Evans as well, which I made the same mistake looking at his team before because he has him in the flex. But true, um... yeah. But I just feel like he's got a, several guys in here that you wouldn't be shocked if they get you know, five points in a week. Yeah, I feel yeah, like he's had a couple with, of... Uh, I was just going to say CD with uh, Dalton going, or Dak going down, uh, probably not better days ahead for CD in that sense. So I, I and I feel like Deontay Johnson too, uh, to kind of mirror a conversation we had last time I was on the podcast, I do think Chase Claypool is going to be cutting into uh, Deontay's time and stardom in Pittsburgh. So, yeah, I think I think I am with Andy on his wide receivers being kind of an issue. What, what do you think, Colin? I am also with that. Uh, I feel like Mike Evans has gotten very lucky to even have half of the points that he's got. I feel like most of it's come on two-yard touchdowns, and I, I do think a reasonable amount of Isaac's success to this point has been, first of all, coming out on the right side of a couple of uh, clusters that swung him up uh, a win or two. And there's no shame in that. I've certainly done the same myself, but I also think he has gotten pretty unreliable performances out of some of those wide receivers that have really bailed him out uh, from a couple of other bad performances from his guys that I would guess he is going to generally need to have more faith in. And like, for instance, this week, getting 33 out of Carson Wentz, whose name he was cursing and not literally cursing, of course, but uh, (laughs) who he was not a fan of entering this week is the only thing that got him that win. And if Carson Wentz had just gone for 28 instead, he would have uh, wound up at 0-2. So I do feel like Isaac out of the teams near the top, top of the standings is clearly the most uh, unsustainable out of you three, but I do not even at this point include myself in uh, that mix now that I have lost Dak. Uh, And I feel like at this point, Isaac and I are probably in a a pretty clear, at least one tier down from uh, the other two of you there. So could certainly see Isaac uh, making me and all of us regret ever saying these sorts of things. He's obviously five games ahead of anyone else in his division for the bye at this point. And Ike come playoff time is always lethal, no matter what sort of squad he is bringing with him to the dance. But yeah, uh, I think at this point, Isaac's team is probably looking pretty noticeably worse than I would have thought it would uh as of a couple of weeks ago and obviously part of that is LaShawn McCoy but I think 
just people cooling off that uh, are going to we probably should have seen coming cooling off uh, a little sooner there. But I, I don't know if we can really expect uh, many major changes to Isaac's roster, as as Ferrier was describing. I, I, I suspect he's going to be rolling with something that looks roughly like this for the majority of the season. And it's just a matter of uh, how that ends up playing out. The one thing I think could be really interesting about Isaac's kind of just general strategy this year is what's been going on with his fab, like just not spending any fab. I, I know it sounds so minor, but I do think it could be very meaningful if implemented well later on to have like an enormous fab lead and like be able to like triple cover bid and have a lockdown on like the top three guys on the waiver wire uh late 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 into the season more as like a defensive tactic than as i need them in my lineup but if not implemented well i could see that being a huge huge oversight uh on a season-long approach matt if you had any thoughts along uh, about ike and his fab I've noticed it just because I have um, quite a bit of fab as well. And Isaac has been above me throughout. I I assume he's doing it intentionally, but I, I, I think we've had this conversation in the past a little bit. And it's like, I don't think there's, I think it's hard to be in a position to be able to like triple cover everyone else. And I mean, I guess if he literally doesn't spend any more and everybody else dwindles down and we all have like six and he has 82, then maybe then, but um, I just think getting guys earlier in the year is is pretty valuable, although he hasn't he hasn't needed to. So um, in a similar vein to him, like not making moves, it, it's interesting seeing like with Edwards Allaire, uh, with Bell coming to KC. It's interesting. Ike's kind of talked about moving him around. I'll, I'll be following that situation closely to see if anything happens there. If he does end up making a move uh, with him. Um and I have Ike fifth, just for the record. And I'm curious, Andy, where you might have Ike relative to the pack. Um, I didn't really do a ranking, but just looking at the um, – uh, I think, like, I think one and two are kind of obvious. But, I, I mean, like, three through six, I feel like you can kind of swap them out. Um, he's probably, like – Four or five, I would say. I don't have it definitive, but yeah, I, I kind of have tiers as well. I have him and Vanna five and six, and I'm not sure what the order is, but that's those are, those are the two I have there. Okay, uh, well, let's move over to Vanna, who ended up narrowly losing to Isaac this week. Uh, Fairbear, how are you feeling about the other half of uh, Domic here this season? I'm sure entering with huge expectations, coming off. Uh, a 2019 championship and a 2018 finals appearance there probably pretty disappointed as things stand right now, but it sounds like you don't at the very least hate his team and feel like there could be some uh, ways that he could turn this around still. Yeah. I mean, it's a good team. I, we just, I mean, there's more than one way to win a, like strategy wise, like his team, I wouldn't want to have cause I like his wide receivers, like the Andersons and the Boyds, like, Yes, they're going to put up points, but I feel like if – well, I like to trade. So I feel like those kind of guys that are high upside wide receiver twos, when they have a terrible week, they're like instantly viewed as like a, a low-end wide receiver two or a wide receiver three. And I, 
I mean, I think you're just stuck with him, which maybe isn't a bad thing, but I don't know. He's got players. I mean, Zeke, well, the Cowboys make no sense. I can't figure them out, but he's got some boys. Yeah, he definitely has some boys uh, for sure. Although the more uh, the, the more I look at this team, the more I'm able to talk myself into a lot of upside with some of these guys. But yeah, like Ferrier was saying, there there are definitely I feel like going to be weeks for pretty much everyone in his lineup other than Zeke, where they're gonna put up like six points or so. Uh, not many of them, but coming at the wrong time for more than two or three maximum any given week could be a, a really big problem for Vanna, which is potentially what we saw play out here this week. Actually, in looking at his scores from this week, he had most of his guys in double digits, just no one over 21 points, including his quarter, I guess, no one over 22 points. He had some 21 and change scores uh, in here. So, yeah, I think this is exactly what I think of with like a high upside middle of the pack as things stand right now team. So uh, in hands as capable as Vanna is certainly still plenty of reason to be nervous about how things may go uh, along those lines. So I guess uh, with that, we are down to our final matchup of the week, which was Pierre smashing the hell out of me, of course, uh, the week after I declare myself undeniably more powerful than Pierre repeatedly <laughs> on the podcast. Uh, he puts up the old 264 in my fat, dumb face as I sit there with a 120. Uh, interestingly, Derek Henry, Ryan Tannehill, and Justin Jefferson alone were enough to outscore my 11 guys. He could have benched the other eight. Uh, Andy, is Pierre in that same tier for you as Vanna, Ike, me, or is he still noticeably lower? I don't think he's lower. I I, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard after you have such a big week, you know. To uh, yeah. I mean, he's got holes, but like I said, we kind of all do. But like, I mean, I don't want to be starting Cole and Jackson and Beasley. That's a lot of. It's a lot of turd out there. Um, but uh, I mean, Derek Henry. I'm I'm now a big fan of him. I used to hate him. I trade him instantly on draft day, but he's fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, I I uh, looking at Pierre's team now. So I had him high in my rankings. I had I had you, Colin, and Pierre like three and four. And I and looking at it now, I'm not quite sure if that's right. He might kind of be in that tier with Ike and Vanna. Um, but I mean, Kittle, like, I love Kittle. I love Derrick Henry. I love both his quarterbacks. Um, I, I'm a Tannehill believer. Uh, but yeah, I agree with Andy. Like there's, there's not depth and I'll, I'll just say, I, I didn't comment on Vanna's team. So just in contrast to Vanna, like he doesn't necessarily have huge star power, although he has Zeke, but I think the Cowboys are pretty questionable but he has great depth and i think that is really important in our league and uh in looking at christian's team he's done i think pretty well to like get to where he is given how the start of the year went but he does still have some pretty big holes and i think when you aren't getting like 150 points from four guys that's a little more apparent 
like even you know he had you know john brown i think was a bagel last week which as we know can happen uh for the person who wins the week but yeah i just i think that he's got guys that where you're kind of hoping they they like do okay and he's got like three of those i mean i don't know about jackson we'll see what he does but yeah i think this is probably in the tier with like ike and vanna and probably uh probably not noticeably better than either of those two teams but a a playoff team i think at this point so what separates potentially at least uh i i don't have like hard rankings but what makes me (laughs) weirdly attracted to pierre's team i guess Hmm, compared to uh a lot of the others in that sort of uh range is the positions at which he is pretty comfortably set where he has Derrick Henry obviously locked and loaded as a hog running back. I mean, Joe Mixon is potentially the best RB two in the league, like the best number two starting running back or certainly one of them uh, in the whole league. Kittle is potentially the number one tight end in the league. And that's huge at a position where so many are struggling to find a guy who can put up even 13 or 14 any given week. And then potentially most crucially at quarterback uh, with Josh Allen booming super hard. And then I too have him a, a big Ryan Tannehill believer, uh, even not really having Drew Brees work out to this point seems to be totally fine with him. Obviously you don't love having to start these bills wide receivers that could end up getting bageled any given week. But I certainly feel like Amari Cooper and Keenan Allen are by themselves wide receivers who, yeah, are going to have uh, some slow weeks in there, but can have and will have in all likelihood plenty of huge blow up weeks along the way too. I feel like because he is, essentially all set at running back tight end and quarterback and has a reasonable enough base at wide receiver. That is the kind of roster construction that I feel like is closest to optimal, just given how much easier it is to get wide receivers and flex wide receivers who have an inherently much bigger, much higher ceiling than any plug-and-play person you're putting in at running back, tight end, or quarterback compared to the replacement-level person at that position. So I know this potentially ties back into the same kind of boring discussion we've been having all season long, Matt, but uh, that is what I meant by, like, attracted to this team is being very strong at the right positions as far as I'm concerned. Another thing that's attractive about that team, and particularly Tannehill, is – do yourselves a favor and look up Lauren Tannehill, who is uh, Ryan Tannehill's wife, and you can thank me later for that. Okay. Uh, Andy, do you have any kind of uh, trade relationship with Pierre? Have you guys made any big moves over the years? Uh, we did Derrick Henry on draft day. Um, he's fun to trade with because you just kind of send the offer, yes or no, and then we're done. It's it's a uh, Short and sweet. Um, Check everyone's a, hand size, and then we're done. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I is Justin Jefferson going to be really good? Like, is he I think so. Ball out. I think so. I watch. I watch the Vikings play usually. He looks nasty. 
He's had some monster games. So, I mean, he'll be back in the lineup, but he does have, like, three waiver guys starting. So, But, I mean, Colin's point, I, I do like your point about he's really good at those harder-to-find-the-good-player positions. Right. With the, so, I get that. Yeah, I, I honestly... Uh, and again, this may be influenced by the 260-point week or whatever, but having that kind of firepower at those much rarer positions uh, and those positions where the replacement level ceiling is so much lower than it is at wide receiver is really important to me. And maybe that philosophy is fundamentally wrong, but because I have always been such a believer in that, I maybe the highest in the league on Pierre's team, potentially like I feel like I borderline owe Pierre an apology, despite I think pretty routinely coming in and saying, this seems like a group of players that could turn it around uh, pretty quickly. And Pierre could find himself right back into the mix. I think I have been even underselling, at least in my own mind, if not on the podcast, just how dangerous this team could become. And that is pretty incredible considering all that he had to go through right away with Mike Thomas and George Kittle in the extraordinarily crucial early weeks. I think it goes very overlooked how important getting off to a hot start is uh, that he did not have the luxury of of getting off to this season. But uh, I've been very, very impressed with Pierre and how he's turned this around. And, you know, I, do also wonder if part of this uh, is influenced by potentially finding more statistics that made Pierre look bad than other people over the years and wanting to make up for that. But uh, I really do like Pierre's team at this point and am hopeful that this is a group that can turn those statistics around for him. Uh, Matt or Andy, any other thoughts on Pierre at this point? For me, it's it's just a testament to his character as, as a guy. I mean, that he was able to turn that around. Really, last thing I got to say about it. Okay. Uh, I, I will say, I guess, as a final note on Pierre, at the very least, a far more powerful man than I had uh, anticipated last week. And uh, that will be the end of that, uh, being a joke that I use four times per episode. Uh, we can put that <laughs> one to bed. So the last team uh, to, to quickly talk through here is my team, which does not look a whole lot different uh, than it has these last couple of podcasts. But Andy, I will kick things off with you. Who do you want? Who can I sell to you uh, from my team? Who, who do I need to be on the lookout for you coming after? I don't know. I'd love to do a trade over the podcast, <laughs> but uh, you're, you're going to keep cooks in the lineup. I say that's interesting. Um, he should not be started. He, <laughs> he might be my second best wide receiver right now. <laughs> yeah. The juju thing is weird. Cause I really wanted him. I think I got lucky because there's like a ton of guys that I really wanted and I didn't get any of them and they all kind of aren't good. Um, yeah, I don't know, Colin. You're starting AP and Henderson. I didn't. Uh, well, you got your guys because my whole team's on buy this week. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, it's a tough week. I mean, do you want me to take Dalvin back? I this is the thing is I I'm certainly open to that. My whole philosophy uh, this week with. Mark Andrews, Dalvin Cook, Jonathan Taylor on by has been given that I'm matched up against Kavanaugh. That's already going to be an uphill battle. And I just didn't feel like going for like selling out to try to get a better running back to than Adrian Peterson 
was going to change my win equity all that much. I thought, you know, he's whatever, like running back 30, even if I go all in on fab for like Jarek McKinnon or Boston Scott to try to like max out at that position. I don't think going from RB 30 to like RB 20 or 22 or whatever uh, is going to have that big of an effect compared to what I can do with all of these resources later. So I am actually kind of uh, skeptical about the prospect of trading my buy guys this week, unless I'm trading all of my buy guys this week, specifically to Matt Cavanaugh. Matt, can I interest you in all of my buy guys? Um, you can interest me in Dalvin and Madison, probably, and Taylor. I mean, we could talk. We could talk. I actually you could use Andrew. a tight end, buddy. Don't act like you don't want Mark Andrews. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, we should we should talk about that. Uh, I I would I would entertain some some options there. I I think. In terms of your squad overall, I like it. Uh, losing Dak obviously sucked, um, which you know, but I do think it leaves you with some some question marks in uh, down there in Dallas. Oh yeah. Uh, and so, as I mentioned earlier, like I am in a similar spot with Dak, where uh, I lost him. I picked up Dalton, and it does not look like he is going to be the answer. So, um. I think that's a spot that I'm sure you're thinking about. And to me, that's going to determine how the season plays out for you, what you're able to do there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think your, your team is pretty solid for sure. Uh, I think prior to Dak going down, you were, you were up there with, with Andy and myself. Um, and now I think you're, you're at the top of uh, the top of kind of the rest of the pack. Um, I don't know what's going on with Juju either, although it just seems like there's a lot of mouths to feed there. And I don't know that he's going to be the one getting the, getting the feed. Um, and I mean, not a ton of firepower really. I mean, you got Dalvin. I know you like Taylor a lot, but not, a, not a ton of firepower outside of Russ and, and Dalvin. So depth though, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's a it's a team that's going to make the playoffs. It's not a team as it stands now that I'm worried about uh, having to get through to win a championship, but I think it could be. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I certainly am aware of uh, the potential hazardous road that lies ahead as far as QB2 is concerned if Andy Dalton remains my only option there. Uh, so we'll, I will stay publicly. Uh, I would love to... At least have me in your thoughts, I guess. Uh, I would love for you to have me in your thoughts uh, if you have any kind of QB2 candidates, Matthew, with Derek Carr, potentially. Uh, you have Derek Carr, right? <laughs> I do. Yeah, I we, we may have to uh, have a, a separate conversation about that. Yeah, I, I knew this matchup with Matt was coming where I had all of my guys on by, and so even before this last week played out, I have kind of been mentally preparing to be eight and six after this week and any win that I get on top of that would be tremendously welcome but it will feel like total gravy and I'm more or less already in that kind of headspace of I'm eight and six all my meaningful guys have had their buys and I'm feeling good going forward about picking up hopefully plenty of at least top five wins and can ideally not run into a disaster schedule and should be in pretty good shape to make the playoffs. I do, though, to kind of, I think, echo what you guys were both saying about my team. 
I definitely feel nervous about a lot of my guys that I had much higher expectations for. And I actually uh, was tinkering around on the spreadsheet earlier today and removed all quarterbacks and defense from the scores uh, just to see frankly what Matt's team was looking like without those two things uh, and how that stacked up to the average uh, at those just skill position players, not quarterbacks, not defense. And my team was a distant last uh, in just skill position players. It's totally my quarterbacks that have been bailing me out. And obviously Dak is not around anymore. So that could be big trouble very soon. But at the same time, it just feels like there's no way it can keep being that bad for Juju. There's no way it can keep being that bad for Mark Andrews that often. And I, I do still have plenty of hope about the state of the team going forward. I, it is just not nearly as good as I thought it was going to be if you had asked me after like week three or whatever. But uh, one final note that... If we don't get it uh, onto this podcast or the next couple, I don't even know how long this is going to be pertinent news. But at least for the time being, I am officially rostering Antonio Brown. Andy, any interest in buying him off of me? Uh, no, no, not at all. But uh, I do kind of want to make a move. Um, okay. Well, if you, if you hey, you scroll around, Cav, you talk up Antonio Brown for a minute, and then we'll see what we can figure out. Cav, are you at all interested in Antonio? Um, I am not really. Uh, but in the interest of talking him up, it's it's interesting to see that he's kind of back in the mix here. I I was thinking about the fact that like he's been suspended by the league, but he's not on a roster. It just seems like a weird situation. And, you know, I, I do believe in second chances and all of that. So, like, it's cool that he's going to get another shot, it looks like. But it's, it's just kind of – it's weird. Like, I don't know what to expect when he comes back. Um, like, is he just going to show up, like, being crazy again? And, like – or is he going to be, like, disciplined? I, it's, hard to, it's hard to see that, but he also hasn't been around for a while. So, I don't know. Um, feels like he would not really be a difference maker at this point, but – obviously a very talented individual so uh so he could be are, are you guys trying to make a trade like on air is that is that the vibe I'm <laughs> i think andy wants to i'm not opposed to it if he wants to throw something at me i'll certainly listen uh, yeah i mean i was i have one in mind but i don't think i want to do it um i was kind of thinking the the cook and madison together but those two with Robert Woods for Aaron Jones, but I think I want to keep Aaron Jones, and I don't okay. even know. If that's I, I would I would decline choice. that anyway, just because I I'm gonna be screwed this week regardless, and I am desperate for all the wide receiver help I can get. And Robert Woods uh, has been. Can I ask what that noise is? Yeah, what is that noise? No. <laughs> My dog is right next to me. Oh, it's the toy. dog toy. Oh, I see. I see. Um. Hmm. Interesting. Well, Colin, uh, I have Derek Carr and you have uh, so yeah, it's tough with QBs, though. I, I do hear I do hear you, Andrew, on that one. Yeah, we might have to circle around on that offline. You got any other offers, Andy, you'd like to throw out there? Not really. Um, Millie, come on. Just oh, crazy, um, this dog, dog toy for Antonio well, Brown. Look how great the, it is. The problem with Colin's team is uh, not the problem, but like his buy guys 
he the matchup he has this week, it's not like he's like, oh, I need to trade Cook to get a win. Like he's kind of almost accepted this is going to be a bumpy week, and then right. so I don't think it's it's worth. I don't I don't want Cook back. I, I he was so good for me, and then instantly trade him, instantly injured. I'm over it. Oh, I mean he's going to be back you, after their bye. And Andy, you're not really like a gotta have the handcuff kind of guy. When you have Cook, do you typically have Madison as well? Um, I didn't. Just I, I did. I, I, <laughs> I had Colin Madison. had him. Yeah, yeah. Well, because I, I had I I drafted Madison this initially, and I I dropped him after a few weeks, which I kind of regret. But um, cause just was one interesting thing I was thinking with Cook, particularly for you, Andy, is like if you do subscribe to that belief of needing to have the handcuff, it does kind of limit you a little bit more than like a different stud might, because you've got two roster spots now instead of one for that one guy, you know. Right. Yeah. I, I said this about uh, in one of the draft podcasts, I said the people I was really torn between were uh, in, in talking about Zeke Elliott uh, in my bidding war with Vanna there. I decided to pass on Zeke because I knew that that also meant Tony Pollard would cost me a few more dollars and a bench spot. I think it's roughly that same idea, right? Yeah, exactly. Just, just kind of an interesting tidbit. No, I totally agree. I think it is, but it's kind of a two a double edged sword because like the reason that you pay that co- cost for them is because they are not certainly not a one to one replacement, but you're at least getting like eighty eighty five percent of the same production, which is not even close to the case in most running back situations. Right. Yeah. All yeah. right. I, I, yes, Andrew. Well, I was I was just gonna say that I think Madison's one of I think there's like three or four actual handcuff guys that I would even like Madison. I'd say Pollard. Obviously, Mike Davis has been really good, but Latavius lot, Murray. Latavius Murray probably. Yeah. I mean, I don't have him off the top of my head, but a lot of these teams, I I don't think like Derrick Henry's backup. I don't know. I don't even know who that is. I wouldn't, you know, I don't think he would be good if he, if Henry went out. We've certainly seen the Giants uh, not yeah, necessarily Devontae, thrive without Saquon. Devontae Freeman. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, as things stand right now, Matt, do you have firm power rankings? They're not firm, and I, I kind of went through them. Um, but, I, yeah, I have something. You'd... I was going to ask for the one final rundown, yeah. Um, I have me and Andy at the top, and I do think it's pretty close, but I have me one, him two. I have on here um, Pierre question mark, Colin question mark at three and four. I have Ike and Vanna at five and six, but as I said, I think it's probably Colin three and then Pierre, Ike, and Vanna four, five, and six in some order. Gabe and Wink in seven, Gap, Lloyd, Gap, Luke. Okay, Andy, does that sound about right to you? Uh, I don't agree with this middle. Um, and I don't mean to crap on you, Colin. Oh no! But like, uh, oh sorry, Andy. Please do. I, I'm I'm like I, well, Odell no. in that respect. Please come in here and shit on me. I mean, I know we've got like four teams in the middle with what's it? Pierre, you, Vanna, and and uh, Ike. I would say, I mean, because Vanna really does have a lot of players. I mean, yeah. he's not he's not starting the you know the Keelan Coles and those kind of weirdos. So I would almost I. I'd probably say Ike, Vanna, and Colin. I'm sorry. I think it might be Pierre than you. That's I, mean, I, the, I get it. I'm the, certain fucking Andy Dalton and Adrian Peterson. So 
Yeah, the Dak just, I mean, your quarterbacks were just, like, hiding how, like, ugly your t- the rest of your team is. I, like right? I said, I mean, when I pulled out the quarterback numbers and defense numbers, I am below Lucas uh, at skill position scoring. Yeah, and, and I, I do agree with Andy there. Like, Vanna's team is a little better than I think I realized when I made these. I, I don't know if I if I put him – yeah, I don't know. I don't – I don't know that it's clear to me that there's there's a like Ike and Vanna is is a tough one, but yeah, yeah. Well, we will uh, certainly, I'm sure, have plenty more uh, discourse 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 uh, about how all of us stack up uh, over the course of the rest of this week, and uh, very excited to see how everything goes in week seven. What are the exciting? Week seven matchups. Let's take a look here. Uh, we have Cav against me. That's not going to be exciting. We have Gabe against Isaac. Uh, that Ooh. definitely has some kind of season-long story arc implications there. Uh, should be pretty thrilling. Farrier against Pierre. Vanna against Wink. And Lloyd against Luke. Uh, so... We will see how all of that goes. Uh, hopefully better for most of us than this last week did. Uh, Andy, anything else you wanted to get out there while we're still on air? Not really. It's just it's fun to be uh, in the mix again. It's, uh, it's, it's, I feel bad for Luke because when your team stinks, it's, it's a long season and it's not that, it's not that entertaining. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on today and would definitely – Love to have you back on in here uh, sometime later in the season, potentially as you are uh, in the middle of a postseason run. Who knows? Uh, Matthew Cavanaugh, anything else from you? Nothing else from me, Colin. Just peace and love to all listeners. Yes, I think that has been the overwhelming takeaway that anyone who has made it this far has come away with is we're about nothing, if not peace and love for the listeners here. So thank you, guys. Uh, anyone who has made it this far, we will be back with who knows to uh, talk through how everything goes in week seven. But until then, take care, gang. Stay hard.